Peterson Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies every day using a variety of insurance and investment products to meet their specific goals. We are not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. The information presented is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of securities or investment strategies. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investment advisory services offered through Peterson Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement Ready Podcast with President and Founder Eric Peterson of Peterson Financial Group, Iowa's retirement specialist with an office in Des Moines. It's time to make sure that you're retirement ready. We're going to talk inheritance a little bit, a little FAQ, if you will, some uh, questions that get asked on the regular, some common types of questions. So if you've got some of these things on your horizon or uh, right in the middle of it, whatever the case might be, and you need some help, then certainly reach out to Eric and his team at 515-226-1500 for your retirement readiness review and consultation and conversation. You can also find a lot of great information online at askericpeterson.com. That's askericpeterson.com. And check him out there on the interwebs. All right, Eric, so let's answer some of these common questions that we do tend to get uh, on the show in emails or various things. We've kind of compiled them up. Uh, and uh, when dealing with an inheritance. So, and I know that you've had lots of experience with this. So let's run through a few of these things and, and see what kind of nuggets you can uh, share with us. Um, questions like, you know, hey, should mom sign the house over to me before she dies to avoid having the house as part of her estate? I, we probably get that question probably every six weeks or so. Well, I'm assuming that the person asking this wants to, it's not necessarily the estate, but the, what they're worried about is probate. Right, right. Going through the delays of probate. Um, kind of like get, getting rid of the asset, right? Getting mom's asset out of her name and into the kids, for example. Right, yeah. right. Because what probate is, that's the that's going through the court-based system to assign ownership after death. And so, you know, when you open up a probate, you got to open it up and you got to wait to see if there's any creditors that have to lay claim. And then they'll then they'll close the probate and then pay the assets out. And so there's a fee and involved. It's a public process and those types of things. So people want to avoid that if they can. Well, that's how they think this is the way to go to avoid like nursing home taking money too, right? Uh, well, that would be a Medicare spend down yeah. um, type of situation. But I mean, like signing the house over. I think sometimes oh, they yes, think you that's could. Like, yeah. But there's a look back provision right, too. Yeah, they, yeah. They it's go not, after the, it's not the smartest. To me, this like doesn't make a lot of sense. Can, no, is there a good way to do this or no? Well, if you assign the house over before death, the couple things happen. One is that before she passes away, if she you know puts you on the title, is that now she takes on your liability too. So if something were to happen to you, if you go out and get in an auto accident or something like that, get a divorce goes to sue you. Yeah, yeah, you get a divorce now. Your spouse could claim it. That's one of the assets, yeah. right? The other thing, too, is that you lose a step up in basis. So under current tax law, there's a capital assets, which would be a home or stock or something like that, is that if you inherit something, then it goes up to the value that it was as the date of the passing of who who left it to you. If you have the ownership of it prior to death and then you go to sell, it goes back to what they paid for it. So depending on the value of the house versus what your mom paid for mm-hmm. it, that could be a significant uh, increase there. So yeah. Always want to talk to a qualified estate planning attorney when you're trying to make these um, decisions. But you know, I know enough to to you know give you some answers to say, hey, go talk to this person. But right, and you guys do referrals and work with folks all around yes. the area for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because you're you're not an attorney. So sure. but on the front side of that, no, it doesn't make sense to do that if you're just trying to avoid probate. There's other ways to avoid probate and mm-hmm. still get the things you're looking for. That might be the use of a revocable living trust. Mm, okay. Um, 
So, and I'm sure we're going to run into that again on some of these these questions here. And yeah. So let me let me stick with the the step up in basis for a second because I think that's probably going to work fairly well with our next one too. Uh, so ha- does that play into this kind of question, Eric? Where hey, you know, dad or mom left me several hundred shares of X stock, Johnson and Johnson, for example, uh, when they died, uh, you know, last month or a couple months ago, whatever it might be. You know, am I going to owe taxes? And if so, how do you calculate that? Well, it depends if the stock was inherited in a brokerage account not an IRA, then under current tax law, there's a step up in basis of that capital asset. So you would owe capital gains tax the difference from the date they passed and left it to you than the date you sold it. So that might not be much of a gain at all, or might actually be negative, which means it would be a lot tax deductible loss. Okay, so it kind of works like the house in that respect. So if if dad bought it, you know, 30 years ago, and it was, you know, dollar a share, and now you're selling it for hundred dollars a share, you're avoiding a lot of that because of the step Correct. up. Okay. Correct. Yeah. That's why in brokerage accounts, a lot of times when people are older, um, those are accounts that will just leave mm-hmm. because it is more tax efficient to the beneficiaries rather than trying to sell them off. And then the, the, you know, the parents paying that capital gain tax now, mm-hmm. let the kids inherit it and get that step up in basis until Congress changes that. But right now there is a step up in basis. And so if you are, that. if you do have to pay taxes on something, whatever it might be, so the other part of this was the calculation, is it typically run at, at, at capital gains then, which is usually 15% for most people or? 15% if you're on the um, third tax step and higher, but if you're on the first two tax steps, it's zero. So it could okay. be zero that way too. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. What about this one? Uh, my husband and I have only been married for six years. When he died a few months ago, he had life insurance policy, but never had updated the beneficiary. Oh boy. Uh, so it still lists as his ex-wife. I know he wants the money to go to me. So how do I get that updated? You don't. Uh, yeah, you are unfortunately SOL. Um, Big time. Yeah. Um, can't change that after death because he's the only one that could. These and there's court case after court case of this kind of thing in there. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to say that the beneficiary overrules all any um, wills, trust, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Whatever's on the on the plan or on the policy uh, or on the beneficiary designation is what, how it will go. So uh, it's unfortunate, which is why we always tell people – Always look at anything that happens on a D to change or update your beneficiaries. So first one would be death, um, divorce, another mm-hmm. D, um, add or lose a dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, disability. Decade, disability, yep. anything with a D in it. And so unfortunately, this this is what happens. It's um, you know easy to overlook, especially a life insurance policy, which you probably bought it and threw it in a drawer and yeah, never possibly. worried about it, you know? And so- yeah, she unfortunately she's going to get the money. Now she could um, disclaim it and have the money sent back in and it might go end up to you, but money changes people. I was going to say, what a, are the odds of that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. probably not going to happen. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, that uh, an insurance company is not going to talk to you either um, no. because you have really no claim to it. And uh, we've been talking, yeah, and we, we, we've shared many over the years, we've done many episodes where we, where we cover lots of little things like this. On, and it's like, you know, this is an easy thing to fix. Um, so right. unfortunately, and you know, and obviously this is a, a sucky situation for the person, but it's like as soon as you remarry or whatever, some things like this could be easily knocked out, right? So, right. Uh, and and it doesn't make it doesn't make it the pain less later on, but it's like this is just something that should should never even have come up, come up. 
there's a famous saying about um, the small hinges that swing big doors. Mm, yeah. And so this is one of those. Big, and, you know, probably what happened when he first, I'm just trying to think out loud here, but sure. when he first got divorced, you know, he's like, well, I just will leave it to her in case something does happen. Sure. Because, yeah. you know, and then got remarried, met someone else, and this never, you know, followed up to, hey, we should go back and change that. So something just happens out of, you know, well, just laziness, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, life happens; things get in the way. I right. get it, right? But it's it's something that would have taken what five minutes to do, right? It's yeah. really just a, a form fills out. Sometimes you do it online, even. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah unfortunately, so basically, the the short here is Eric that uh, who's listed on those BDs beneficiary designations trumps anything else you've got. Correct. It has to be the right the right person listed that you want. Okay. Uh, six siblings and I inherited a hundred acres from the family. I think I'm the only one that wants to keep it. The rest would rather sell it and pocket the cash. Would it be unwise of me to buy out my siblings so I can control the property until I decide what I want to do with it? Interesting. I don't think it's necessarily unwise, Eric. I'm going to get your take on this, but it may <laughs> it may be costly. Correct. That's the whole thing. If you got the cash to do it, um, because they're going to want whatever the value is, you're going to have it appraised, I'm, I'm sure. And right. so, so time, or I guess by five, right? So he would get a share uh, nationally. Six, so. Yeah, so uh, divided by six. So you have then equity in it. So farmland is something that, uh, that banks are willing to lend against. There's agricultural banks that do this. There's insurance companies that lend against this stuff. There's all kinds of things, ways could, you can borrow Yeah, it doesn't money. say what kind. It just says family, but it could be farm. could be timber. could be farm, right? yeah, could I be, assume. Yeah. Um, but again, never assume anything, right? Because right. what happens? Yeah. <laughs> but you're, so you have to look at the the cost. It's going to cost you to pay them out. Um, you're going to have a cost of that um, that loan, unless you have the money sitting in the bank, which probably you don't. So it's just you know, it's like any investment. You have to look at okay, this is what's going to cost me. This is the return. Kind of like buying a rental property or something like that. So, right. Right. And then what kind of revenue do you generate from the land? Is it land that you can rent out that, uh, let's say it's farmland, it will generate a revenue stream? Or you just want to hold on it just because it's been in the family? You know, if it generates a revenue stream, that's easier than to do this calculation about cost-benefit analysis. If it's just land that you want to hold for an appreciation down the road potentially, or maybe you want to move there and build something or what have you, then again, it's an investment analysis then. But yeah. You just have to look at it that way, but they are entitled to their their piece, and they're going to want their fair share, you know, yeah. full value, whatever yeah. it valued is as of the date of the passing. So, so, so let's spin this around real fast for the folks. You know, so if you haven't passed away yet, and you're thinking about doing something like this, in this situation, you got six kids, and you could have maybe staved this off, right? And there could they unfortunately they could wind up getting a little testy with each other, right? Because money makes people funny, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this could have been avoided by finding out ahead of time. Hey, do you guys want this stuff? Do you not? Not want this stuff who you know who does and then you could you could put all these things into you know your will or trust or whatever the case is prior to passing away and leaving it to the family right and at least try to stave off some of this you could have and if there are other assets maybe you could say okay well if you know the other kids that don't want the land they'll get these other assets right yeah and, so john wants know. the land so now we're going to do the other five are going to get blah 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 yeah, but most most parents are going to say, "Hey, you guys can get all of it, and you split it up, you know, however you want." And, right, which is you know more equitable, I guess. Sure, it probably is. Yeah. Probably is. Because but I'm thinking maybe the parents could have taken the hundred acres. Uh, I believe that's what it was. And if that was going to be the case, some wanted, some didn't. They could have made this easier on their kids by saying, "We're just going to leave. We're going to break it into, you know, uh, equal percentages ahead of time." Right. 
and left it to them. And then that way, if three of the five, six wanted to sell or four of the six, it's just everybody would have their own plot, I suppose. Yeah, but sometimes they're not divisible easily that way. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah. yeah. So. Interesting. So definitely, what kind of land. We don't have enough to go on. We don't know if the acres yeah, oh, are, sure. yeah. like you mentioned, is it timber? Is it, um, is it you know, nice, good old-fashioned black dirt, which is all, you know, tillable and right. is the revenue coming off of it? So there's a lot more information needed to make that analysis. Well, for the long and the short on this one, if the person wants to keep it and the rest don't, basically you just got to you got to figure out what gotta, it's worth and then you got to buy them out. You got to buy them out. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, parents left me a significant amount of money, which is still managed by their financial advisor. I actually really love this person. We've seen this before numerous times. Uh, so I don't necessarily want to move the money away from them, but I also like my advisor. So the question becomes, is it a silly idea to have two people uh, working on financial stuff? Um, and I, this is probably an interesting one, right? Because it's this legacy, if you will. The parents like work there; they, they loved them. Uh, you like the person as well, but you got your own cat, right? So, what do you do? It's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but you know, when it all depends if your if your plan is being accomplished, right? And it depends on what kind of assets that your parents left left you that are being managed. Because if they're IRA assets, you're probably going to have to have mandatory distributions. And so how those assets fit into or the distributions fit into your plan that your current advisor is working uh, on. So as long as the two um, – as long as you make sure you communicate to your current advisor what's going on at the other – not necessarily any kind of buys and sells, but any taxable events that they're occurring so your current advisor can account for them. But – like dating two people at the same time um, you know, <laughs> can get a little. Uh, it can get a little messy. Get a little messy. Yeah. But since it's just like managing, um, if the other advisor, legacy advisor, one had your parents, that's just managing those assets. I don't really see that big of an issue with it uh, than the one, the current one. It's just if you want to start doing some strategies, maybe some tax loss harvesting strategies. Um, if your current advisor's talking about, hey, we want to get your income down because we can sell some of these assets, then sometimes it's about locus of control. If they got control over them, they want to sell some of these positions because you're going to get more income on a tax-adjusted basis. Sometimes it's easier to have it under one roof. Depends mm-hmm. on what kind yeah. of advisor you have. Yeah. Like we do a lot of tax loss harvesting for our clients to get them the maximum amount of income with the least amount of tax. It's easier if we have control over those assets as opposed to saying, hey, go sell these assets and then relying on the other advisor to do to sell the assets that we want to make sure they sell. So it all depends on what kind of level of advice your current advisor is giving. You may not be at the same level that we give our, so I don't know. But it's no, it's not the end of the world. It just makes it more difficult for planning when you got to rely on someone else to execute decisions that the, your current advisor is yeah. putting in your plan for you. And if you're starting to merge sense. that stuff, like you said a minute ago, Eric, if it's if it's the legacy person's just handling mom and dad stuff and it's kind of separate, and then your person's handling yours, that's probably a little less messy. But when you start putting it all together, the odds are these advisors aren't talking to each other, right? So there's a good chance that you know it's just not. It's not like they're working cohesively to to get to do the best thing for the whole situation. Um, um, if you were to merge everything, so I would say if no, you're merging it, it all, go to one person. It's like watching a you know an episode of The Bachelor Bachelorette, right? Right. The two are congenial, but as soon as sure. I talk yeah. about that person, they they just you know they're like you know they fight each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to the Retirement Ready Podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard on today's podcast and would like to schedule a complimentary retirement readiness review with Eric Peterson and the team at Peterson Financial Group, call now. 515-226-1500 is the number to dial. That's 515-226-1500. They are Iowa's retirement specialists and standing by to help you achieve your financial and retirement goals. Want to ask a question online? 
visit the team at askericpeterson.com. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Ready Podcast, making sure that you're retirement ready. Did you know that Eric Peterson also has a radio show? Tune in to the Retirement Ready Radio Show, Sundays at noon on AM 1040 WHO. Peterson Financial Group is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies every day using a variety of insurance and investment products to meet their specific goals. We are not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. The information presented is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of securities or investment strategies. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Any references to protection benefits or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Investment advisory services offered through Peterson Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor.